Hello and welcome to today's Four Ps podcast. This is the last episode. We are hours away from the NFL season, and um, I, I am very excited about that. Uh, being from Buffalo, New York, I look for. I've been looking forward for this for years. There are two days that I love, and that's the beginning of the NFL season and a uh, beginning of the NHL. Actually, it's three days. The beginning of the NHL season in October and in May slash June, all depends. It's the beginning of the CFL season. I love each and every single one of those days. I actually look forward to it. Actually, I almost schedule my time around it. I've been doing this for a long time uh, uh, on those three days. I cannot believe that those days are, uh, uh, are, are still days that I look forward to, just like this when I was a kid. And speaking of that, when I was a kid, um, I, um, just like every other uh, uh, kid who loves sports, uh, always had uh, my sports heroes. Um, I lived, I grew up and grew up next door to uh, the offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills, or one of the offensive linemen for the Buffalo Bills uh, during the 70s and 80s, uh, Reggie McKenzie. Uh, I knew numerous uh, uh, Buffalo Bills players, went to high school and went to school uh, with a lot of the kids uh, that um, their 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 fathers played for the Buffalo Sabres, uh, got to meet a whole bunch of, of, of childhood uh, uh, heroes back in the day. And I always look forward to it. Today, I have a childhood hero uh, uh, that is actually uh, did not play for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, wish he did. Actually, played for my enemy, man. He played for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you know, if you're if you are a Buffalo Bills fan, you you just there's two teams that you can never root for, and that's the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. Even though there are great people on, but there are great fans on both teams. But uh, he was he played for them. He also played for uh, numerous. Uh, he played for a few CFL football teams. And we're going to talk all about that today. His name is Craig Ellis. Uh, he has become a very dear friend of mine. Uh, you are going to enjoy him because I enjoy him every time I talk to him. Uh, he holds nothing back. That is probably the realest man I've ever met in my life. He holds nothing back. And he is a great example of perseverance. Uh, even though we we're talking about perseverance today, I hope you know and you can hear it in my voice. Uh, it, we're talking sports uh, a little bit. Uh, uh, this is this is passion for me because uh, we are getting a behind the scenes look at what was going on uh, with a lot of our childhood heroes. Uh, look forward to uh, uh, always talking to, to Craig and I can't wait for this interview to start. It is my honor and my privilege to speak with Craig Ellis. He is a football player who, and I'm 52 years old, and I have watched him play as a kid. Before we started talking, found out that I actually watched him when he was playing, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Ellis. I was rooting against you, 
but you were playing against my Buffalo Bills, and we were just talking about a game in 1986 where uh, two of the greatest wide receivers in NFL history had a duel. And uh, I, I did not realize how small a world this was because we were in the same place at the same time. Greg Ellis, though, um, I, the, the greatest thing about Greg Ellis is he is one of the very few people. If you look at it, you have the CFL and you have the NFL. These combined, you're looking at over 200 years, 200 seasons of professional football in the elite of the elite play for these leagues. And Mr. Ellis has been blessed. He is in a small group. I mean, this small group includes Warren Moon. It includes Joe Theismann. Recently, Chad Ochocinco. But we have Greg Ellis, who was he played both in the NFL and the CFL. Um, he started, uh, he was a uh, standout at San Diego State. Uh, but you know what? Most of all, over the last few years, uh, uh, through Facebook and other other avenues, uh, he has become a dear friend of mine. Greg, tell us about tell us. I want you to tell the story because you your story is of persistence and overcoming so much. Why don't you go ahead and start, Greg? You know what? First, I want to thank you for allowing me to share my story and to reach out to me to have this particular moment to be on your podcast it's a privilege brother you're not you're very welcome no no i appreciate all the accolades that you said my story starts early but what i think you wanted to hear is being in the nfl and the cfl everyone always asks that question what's the difference and there's a there's a tremendous a lot of elements to go into that question because when I came out of San Diego State in 1982, that was the strike year that we were talking about previously. And that's the year I went to San Francisco. I had the pleasure to watch Joe Montana, Sam Wash, Sam White, Bill Wash, and Clark work wow. from the sidelines. I was able to absorb the knowledge that it took to prepare for a game, to win a game, and to understand the game. So I was taught at a very young age with Bill Walsh. But in 86, I went to Miami. And that's where I played for the legendary Don Shula. Not too many players get a chance to play for two Hall of Fame coaches. But then in 88, 80, 88, I played for Tom Landry at the Dallas Cowboys. And that's a story I would love to share down the road at another time. But we can't forget Jim Plunkett and Tom Flores at the Raiders. <laughs> Absolutely. But when you think about a T, think about a T. Bill Walsh, Don Shula, Tom Landry, and Jose Flores. What player had an opportunity to learn from them? Not very many. Not very many at all. No, not at all. You know, you were telling me about your, your story starts early. Uh, you were telling me a little bit about your brother, and you were telling me a little bit about your life. And, 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 and um, 
you know, you could have gone a totally different direction and in the direction that you are, uh, that you ended up where uh, I watch you, you've influenced so many people, the city of uh, Edmonton, they absolutely adore you. Uh, tell us a story a little bit about how your, how your life could have gone and how it started, if you don't mind. Well, you know what, though, T, there's people that affected my journey along the way that I can never repay what they've done for me. Honestly, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for a probation officer named, named Mary Ridgeway. She was out of East L.A., but she was my sister probation officer. And the first time that I played football was eight and a half. I was playing for Clover City. And my sister would come to the games all the time. But she's the one that had the probation officer. And she would talk about how she loved the fact that her little brother was playing football. So when I did get into a little trouble, Mary Ridgway took it upon herself to just grab me. And she didn't want me to go in the same direction of my family. Like we said, my brother, my oldest brother at 19, shot a guy, second degree mm -hmm. murder, because he put his hands on his woman. But he was never the same after that, T. And I always try to hide that. But you can't hide nothing from the NFL or the, or the CFL <laughs> or the NCAA. I thought I did, but they knew. Right. My journey was different. How was your time at San Diego State? Wow. I was privileged. Because you got to understand, T. And when I talk to this, when I talk about the Lord, it's not because I followed him throughout my life, but everything in my life adds up to one thing. I was blessed mm -hmm. because I had the privilege of seeing Bob Marley in 1979 in Santa Barbara City College because I didn't have the grades to go to Michigan. Like I said, I was committed to Michigan at 11th grade in high school. They came to my house, Bo Schumbacher, the offensive running back coach, the offensive coordinator, the offensive line, they all came to my house. They thought they were the FBI. My neighbor's daughter was the FBI, but that was Bo Schumbacher. I was committed there, but I didn't have the support group that the kids or the youth have today. And that's another right. thing that I like to talk about, T, because I have a foundation called Alumni in Action, and we're doing things for the youth in Los Angeles community. And it's a big thing because there's a lot of charter schools in Los Angeles that has a lot of money. But where I came from, Crenshaw, Dorsey, Fairfax, they don't have the money that Oak Christian, Warren, or Bosco has. So... We have to figure out how we can make things work for both ways because there's athletes in different areas. Absolutely. And yes. Getting back to my story, though, T, because of the things that I was brought up through the younger life, because my life wasn't supposed to be with sports, 
it was something I picked up that uh, I found interesting and I wanted to do. None of my brothers did it. My parents, my mom worked for Sears for 31 years. My dad had polio and he did his he did his construction company on the side. I always had a meal on the table and I always had clothes on my, on my back. Right. But when I took off on my journey at 17, I had to find out where Craig Ellis stand in this society. So now you were, uh, you went to the Winnipeg blue bombers and you spent a season there in 82. Um, um, how did you go from San Francisco to Winnipeg? How did, how, how did that, how did that journey? That was, that's a, that's a wow. heck of a journey right there. Wow. T, I don't know who you are, but you are something special, brother. Because you got to understand from a guy that played varsity at 14 years old, started sophomore, junior, senior, rewrote the record books. Like I told you, at that time, no one scored seven touchdowns on 25 carries for 376 yards. But the seventh touchdown came on defense. Wow. But when you say that acclimation from San Francisco to Winnipeg, wow, that was a learning experience, T. Because for a guy that had the experience previously to be cut, wow, that was the first time. Wow, I thought I wasn't good enough, D. Right. That was a changing point. But when, when I got cut from San Francisco, it was for a reason. And I know the reason. We'll share that in another story. But when I got cut from San Francisco, I've never been cut before. I always had a scholarship. I was always given everything that I needed to do. I was always given everything. All of a sudden, it was taken away. I was different. Mm -hmm. I was only 21 years old, and I got to learn that one. So instead of going home and being embarrassed, I go to Winnipeg. The only reason I went to Winnipeg, and I tell you, there was a gentleman, rest in heaven, Mr. Ray Newman. There was a gentleman from Edmonton. His name was Ray Newman. He was at my practices in Sacramento. And I was trying out for the 49er. I signed out as a free agent, but I was going to make that team. And the only person I had to beat was Nehemiah, Ronaldo Nehemiah. And he was scary. He didn't want to catch yeah. the ball. But I had a guy, rest in heaven, Freddie Solomon. He took me under his wing. He showed me how to get off the jam. Don't forget, San Francisco had Ronnie Lott, Dwight Edwards, Eric Wright, Poe. I abused them, bro. Seriously? Have, I abused them, bro. They'll tell you. I just got a picture with Ronnie Lott last week. He remembered me. Well, that guy. No, you know what? If he gets his hands on you, you're done. You're done. Yeah. But Freddie gave me this little technique. 
Man, you put them in chase mode, you got them. <laughs> but being released and coming to the hotel, and I saw that light flashing. I picked it up, and it was Earl Lunsford. Then, Craig, we watch you. We'll let you become play in Winnipeg. Instead of going home, T, I went to Winnipeg. But you got to remember, I was in Rockland, California. I had nothing to endure October. And no, no. <laughs> September in Winnipeg is bad. Yeah. I know, that's what I got there. But I got there with James Murphy. Okay. James Murphy was a baller, bro. It was James Murphy, James Murphy, Nikki Hall, and myself. Nikki's trying to take over Dita Brock. And me and James trying to get in there over Goodlow or somebody that just left. I can't remember back in 82T. But I knew it was me and James. And James can ball. Don't get me wrong. James can ball. But I went on first. Robinson was at the actor of general manager at that time for Earl Lundsman. Mm -hmm. But Earl Lundman was the voice that I heard on that red flashing light when I got released from San Francisco. And his southern draw, I just didn't want to go home to you. Right. But then when I played a game with uh, Winnipeg, I got on first. We played Ottawa and Ottawa. I caught an out, and I caught a 56-yard bomb that I had to lay out for. But that got called back. So I went down, and I had a catch there. But then Robinson said that he wanted to put me on a reserve list. And I will get my full contract, which right. was $40,000. But I, will, I won't be able to play. They were going into the playoff. And then that's when they put Murphy on. But I told them there was a guy that I used to walk for lunch with in San Francisco. And I didn't. I wasn't loyal. So when I left, I was disappointed. Mm -hmm. I was angry. Frustrated, mad, it was my fault, but I, I understand that now. So I said, you know what? Instead of being on a reserve list, I, I want to go to Edmonton. They said they won't send me to Edmonton. So then I had to call Ray Newman. Ray Newman talked to Robinson. So I ended up in Edmonton in 82, right before they won their last great cup. Okay. So I got to Edmonton. You know Warren Moon played at Hamilton High School. That's my neighborhood. We both played right. at Holland Hills. But you got to remember, Warren didn't start at quarterback <laughs> <laughs> at Bowen Hills. There was another guy. His name was Michael Stennis. Michael Stennis' family owned this chicken place called Golden Bird. And he wore number one. And he played quarterback. I don't know what position Warren played. Okay. But Baldwin Hill was a neighborhood where a lot of talented players come out. Because <laughs> it's all brothers. And it cost $45 to play. I didn't right. ever 
play for Baldwin Hills until I got to my junior Bantams because I wanted to go to Baldwin Hills because I played. I always wanted to play against Baldwin Hills too. That's why I was going to go to Michigan. I wanted to play against SC. I always wanted right. to play the best. That's been about me all my life. I want to play against the best. Okay. If they win, I'll succeed. But when I when I play against the best, I don't lose. And speaking of that, you played. Uh, and a matter of fact, you were just at uh, the alumni uh, get together um, in Saskatchewan, uh, in Regina, um, a game where I will say the game that you were at. When you were at that game, I was watching that game as well. And uh, I saw one of the greatest catches of all time. Can you tell us uh, about your time in Saskatchewan? Was that number 15 or 19? That was 19 is Amelius. Yes, yes. Amelius, he caught that ball and it looked like it, it from TV. I don't know how it looked in, 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 in real life, but from TV, it looked like time literally froze. For him to catch that ball, it was the most it was the most amazing catch I ever saw. But you were at that game, and uh, as an alumni, tell us tell us about your time in Saskatchewan because it was a wonderful time, uh, at least stats wise. Indeed, tell us about that. I told you one thing: Saskatchewan Rough Riders did a well found job in preparing for that stadium. Wow. Yeah. Gee, that stadium is beautiful. It is you absolutely know, amazing. Yeah. You know why? I've been in um, Las Vegas, but you know, that's the best stadium in the world, in, in America. You know, that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, say, they say the Rams, but I haven't been there yet, but I'm going to be calling on Rams to give a donation for my passing tournament next year, but I'll be in that stadium too. But Saskatchewan, let me tell you the things, what I love about Regina. There were guys before me. And it's just not George Reed, but don't get me wrong. George Reed, I look up to. Because I didn't know who he was when I came here. George didn't do what I did. George was a thoroughbred. George was a punisher. Ooh, he loved it. <laughs> I was a scat back. We did different things. And I had to rely on the talent that I was blessed with. But without George, I would have never made it to Saskatchewan or the CFL because a lot of the brothers wasn't coming up here. He could have made more money in NFL. And when I knew that story back then, I always looked up to George. But the best thing about Regina that I really loved, that I was there, T, is George is happy. He's not out trying to make money. He's not out trying to sell stuff. Man, that's the way our greats supposed to retire and go into the sunset. But that doesn't happen often. No. Now, you went to the Argos for a short time, but then you got, you know, you wanted to go to Edmonton when you were in Winnipeg. But, you know, after, after well, it was probably about uh, seven years, you finally got your wish. 
and you got to play for the Edmonton, what was then known as the Edmonton Eskimos. And then that's when Greg Ellis became the legend that he is today. Tell us about that time. It was three, actually four seasons of greatness. Tell us about that. No, 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 no. Let's not stop. Let's stop. Gee, I got to put a timeout. I got to put a timeout. <laughs> All right, I will. There's, there's some journeys in between there. All right, well, give us the journeys in between. Uh, Ralph Sazio, rest. I don't know if he's dead, but if he is, rest in heaven, Ralph, Ralph Sazio. Ralph Sazio and I had the same relationship that Bill Walsh had with Montana. We saw the same things. I fell in love with the run and shoot offense run by Conrad Holloway. Conrad Holloway is a smart man. Very, very smart. Football IQ off the chain. For the CFL, I never played with Conrad in the NFL. But for the okay. CFL, I gave my devotion and I gave my whatever you need for me to do, I will do. But the offense that we had, T, wow. We had Chris Woods at wide up. We had B.K. Smith at slot. We had Paul Pearson at the other slot. We had Warren Hudson at fullback. We had Farone at guard. We had Willie Thomas at center. We had um, the guy that just passed away on TSN at tackle. Yeah. We had, brother, we had a squad. We were seven and three in 10 games. We beat Hamilton like babies. Because Hamilton had to play Zambiasi on someone else, and they had Streeter trying to play with me. But with the run and shoot, I can go one, two, or three. I can line up a slot. I can line up with the second receiver. I can line up wide out. But guess what? We already know what your coverage is. So let me get through here. We killed him with that run and shoot. But it was OB, Bob O'Billard. Brought me into the office right before cut down the line was where I get paid my salaries. And he says, we want to go in another direction. Mm. They want to go with Cedric Minner. Cedric Minner couldn't carry my job to And they found that out because we were seven and three. But when Cedric Minner got there, they were three and seven. I watched wow. it down in Miami. Because I never made it to Edmonton. Because I was wow. driving back to Edmonton, Miami called me. I flew down and I caught Reggie Roby Ponce in the ring. And then I did the drug test. And then Greg Pruitt fumbled the ball on the three-yard line against the Raiders. And I was in there that week. I never made it to Edmonton. My Jeep was wow. left in Saskatchewan. I went down there and played another nine games. That was what 19 games total right but that time in miami was beneficial for me because i got a chance to see dan marino mark clayton 
and Mark Gooper and Tony Nathan. Wow. Bruh. Bruh. Wow. That's Watching amazing. that offense and learning from my uh San Francisco. They're just like, wow, he was a gunslinger. And they had these keys. They had these things that quarterback and receivers implement during practice and during working out. It was just like a know-how. He knew how to throw the throw behind. He knew when to throw the fade. It, brother, I was blessed, T, to be able to witness this and to be able to come to CFL or whenever I played in the NFL and then just show what I've learned in my, in my journey. Wow. Yes, that is, you know, like I said, it, it is very special that you have played, uh, you have been in the same uniforms as, as Montana, as Marino, as Plunkett. Uh, you have the, 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 I think that 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 era of football, I don't think that even now is as as exciting as the NFL is right now. I don't think it can hold a candle to that era uh, uh, with with the with the level of toughness and the and I don't want to say it was parody, but all teams at that time, they were just so good. Um, so you, played I know for, you, want you, played. you wanted me to elaborate on Edmonton. Let me tell you how I got back to Edmonton. Let me tell I you do, but I, I want to know about. But I want to know about you playing in your hometown. Wow. It was beautiful. I want to know about you what? playing in your beautiful. hometown. Yes. I know I was playing for the L.A. Raiders, living at home. But I, I was married. You know I was married, and I had a family. But they were in, in Canada, Edmonton. But what the funny thing about that, T, all the guys that I grew up with, not all of them, but the ones that I kept in contact that was really – close to me. They're all in jail. <laughs> <laughs> so they couldn't well, watch I, you play. No, I was giving my tickets to all the girls that I dated. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> wow. They, they sat next to each other because right. I went away and I got married. I had two beautiful daughters, Brittany and Jasmine. And I was in LA and I wanted to give it to Guys like Kirk or or Robert or they were all doing time. I just wanted my boys to experience what it was like to go to the game and watch the boy play, right? But to play right. in the Coliseum, T, that was a dream because I wanted yeah. to play Michigan in Coliseum. But you got to go home. Then now I do want to know about your time in Edmonton. <laughs> all right, let me tell you the second time back. 1988, I'm playing for the Cowboys. They have Mark Higgs at running back and Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker can't block, he can't think, he can't read. And Mark Higgs was scary. So I knew I could make this squad. They kept me the whole time. All training camp, picking back in Dallas. Michael Irvin was my uh, buddy's roommate. And I used to bring back uh, a little EJ from my boy Mike. <laughs> I was a veteran. I was a veteran at that time. But Tom Landry wouldn't let me touch the field. I didn't play in no preseason games. I played in every practice. I beat out everybody they can beat out. I never missed practice. 
and I've never got a chance to play in a preseason. I watch Key Van Jenkins, a guy that I've been knowing since nine years old, playing for Venice. And we used to compete all the time. He played at Calgary. We used to compete all the time. He played at UNLV. I was at San Diego State. We competed all the time. He was at high school. I was at Venice. We played in high school. He got a chance to show off in that game, and I couldn't even touch the field. You know how demoralizing that was? I had it been. Yes. Had it been demoralizing. But I couldn't say a word because I want to make the team. So never, you did, did you game, didn't I did you didn't make game. you didn't make you didn't make the Cowboys. No, nope, um, and I didn't play in a preseason game, and I was like, why? If you don't want me, why wouldn't you let me just get my shit off so I can go somewhere? Exactly. So what um what did you do for that year? Because that was the year that you were kind of I, out of I, I was done with football. Pete, I was done with football. I never wanted to play the game again. That was wrong. I've been through stuff like college when you have a uh, uh, a racial thing going on where they want the other kid to play. I get that. I'm in the seventh, right? I get that. But this time, I never got a chance to even touch the field, and I practice every day for six yeah. weeks. So I was done with football, T. I was done. But then I get a call from a guy named Frankie Morris. Rest in heaven, Frank. Frankie calls me up and he says, Craig, we want to try you out, but we want to try you out at a slot back. And I said, Frank, I never played slot back before. That'll be interesting. And that was the start, bro. I was there with James. I was there with uh James Boyd, Willard Reeve, Sean Keel, Matt Dunnigan, and Ned Armour in 1983. And Pete Catella chose to get rid of all of them. But we all went out and had great careers. So to be able, when you said to be able to play at home in Los Angeles, you got to be able to think about playing at home in Edmonton, because that's where my family was. Yeah. My girls don't like it, but it was a it was it was a great just to go home every night to have a home cooked meal, see familiar it, being on the road and, and being different, it's almost like a dream. Because you you put these numbers up or you uh, do these records and everything, but you're doing it all by yourself. If you have no one to share it with, it's not reality. It's not memories. Right. That is unbelievable. But you know what? As a slot back, you have beaten so many records. Um, and, and, and so now would you say, I see you in Edmonton all the time, or is Edmonton now your home? Is this, is that, is that your place or is it still Los Angeles? You know what? After I went to Regina, when I do go into the Hall of Fame, because I know I'm going to go, because Dave Williams and Terry Greer and Murph Fernandez don't have my receiving numbers. And better yet, they don't even have rushing numbers or special teams. So I know I'm wait, wait, wait. Go. So when you but when you go in the Hall of Fame, I am going to be in Hamilton with you to watch this, right? You are invited. Going to be right? there. Oh yes, Pete. Oh yes. All Pete. right. Because you, I'm going to do something because we only get so much to talk. 
but I'm going to bring Tracy Ham and Joe Paul Paul. I'm going to get TSN to do We're going to sit and have a conversation. We're going to really talk, bro. That's awesome. I am will, looking forward to that. I, I, you know what? Because I want people to understand not just what I had to do to get to where I was, but others. And some of them never made to get a chance to tell their stories. But there's some stories to be told. Absolutely. Mr. Ellis, uh, I, I absolutely, and, and like I said, I wish I lived closer to you so we can go back and forth instead of having to go back and forth on Facebook. I'll see you in Hamilton. <laughs> yes, you will. Yes, you will. And I will say this right now, but I am going to ask you. I'm going to ask you right now. I know Toronto is burning it up right now. Who is winning the Grey Cup this year? It's got to come from you. All right, but you know what, though? You can't ask me that question until September the 1st. Because if all if, right, I, I, I think Rourke is going to stay in the NFL. But if Rourke come back to the CFL, uh -oh. whatever yeah. team he plays for, because you got to understand this year has been a domestication of quarterbacks. Yeah, they're I all mean, gone. Like, I think we're, I think everybody's like, like, oh, third, like third. Uh, Saskatchewan's yeah. at the third. BC just Hamilton's got the at a third. They went down to the, like everybody is, I don't know what it is about quarterback. They talk about protecting them in the NFL. Maybe they should yeah. protect them. They, they definitely do. I got a call yesterday. They want me to play up there now. I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be somebody's quarterback. You know what, though? I'll see you again. And, you know, thank you again for just allowing me thank to you. share my, my story, brother. Well, thank you so much. And like I said, you have a great story of perseverance and persistence. And it was a pleasure talking to you. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you. God bless. Other than the um, great behind the scenes talks about Joe Montana, Dan Marino, uh, Herschel Walker, and all those uh, great uh, athletes of the uh, late 80s, actually the 80s and, and even early 90s. Um, one thing that I did get from this interview with Craig today was the fact that uh, don't quit. And when you decide to quit, uh, what can happen? Um, and also the other thing I found out in this interview, and I hope you guys did too, is that you may not, there may be times in your life where you may not believe in you, but there are other people around you that do believe in you and, and don't turn them off. All right. Because they can lead you to greatness. One football, one call from someone in Canada, um, eventually led to Craig Ellis becoming a, a future hall of famer in the Canadian football league, one phone call. And this is somebody who after the Dallas Cowboys, he was going to quit. He was going to totally quit. And you know, not only is he not quitting, he did not quit on himself. Even today, he is not quitting, uh, on his, uh, on his, uh, the, the, the people that he, um, still loves down in the Los Angeles area. Uh, he talked during our interview about alumni in action and alumni in action. I will have the link to the website in the notes of this podcast, alumni in action. Uh, it was established in 2019. It's a nonprofit organization, uh, that promotes, uh, uh, Francis Polytechnic high school in Los Angeles. 
Angeles, California. Uh, it helps these kids with an opportunity to uh, in, to to get sports and guidance and instruction. Uh, and it's an inner city school that absolutely needs your help. Look at that and please donate. One thing that I um, I am definitely a fan of and I'm definitely a proponent of is is help the children. All right. Uh, I don't, you know, you always have to help the children. A lot of times children are, I meant every time, not a lot of times, every time children uh, are not uh, responsible for the circumstances that they are in. Uh, children are, are, are a, 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 I don't want to say, a, yeah, I want to say children are a casualty of, of, of some of their circumstances at, at times. Uh, and uh, we cannot control where we can control a lot of things, but we can't control where we are born. And so these children need a, need a hand. They need, they need a hand up. Uh, please make sure you contribute uh, and help these young kids uh, uh, find something because, you know, we all can agree uh, that uh, sports and any other act extracurricular activity, it keeps kids off the street. It keeps kids involved. It keeps children, uh, uh, it gives children the skills they need uh, to make sure that they are uh, great adults and teachable adults and successful adults. Uh, in the future. And that's what we need. We need a lot more uh, instances of success. We need a lot more instances of, of hope in the inner city. And we need to make sure that these kids are are introduced to a much better way of life, to know that there is something better, and they are taught and mentored and counseled in how to obtain it. So remember, it is Alumni in Action. The website is Please give uh, if you can volunteer, if you live in the Los Angeles area, volunteer. But the website address will be in the uh, um, the podcast notes uh, and on the website. Um, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I will see you tomorrow. Actually, I will actually hear you or you'll hear me tomorrow.